The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue Views Audio Lineup. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Nick Pilato and Chris Flum. Today, we are providing more New York Giants training camp updates, reporting on a Monday, giving you the latest on this Tuesday, the week of August 9th. We're getting really close to the first preseason game, meaning things are going to be really heating up for the Giants during training camp. And speaking of heating up, guys, we have probably one of the bigger headlines of training camp relating to Saquon Barkley coming out on Monday, which is that he was removed from the physically unable to perform list, meaning he will be actively practicing with the team. Now he's been moving around, he's been running, he's been doing various things with trainers, but Monday's practice will be the first that we will see of Barkley actually working himself into team drills. Now we don't know for a fact or a certain how much contact he's going to be getting throughout this week and also leading up to that that first game of week one. But the one thing that we can say with a few weeks to go until the season starts, this is a very positive sign for the fact that Saquon will likely be working his way back into the lineup and should be available to play barring there are no setbacks. So exciting. I mean, it's it's great to hear. It's something that I think a lot of us expected, but, you know, they took the very conservative approach, and that's very understandable. But anything can go wrong when you do that. If there was a setback, you know, Ian Rappaport earlier this week said that, oh, yeah, he'll be there in week three, could come back earlier. But now hearing that he's off the pup, he won't play in the Jets game. I think there's been some talk that he may play a little bit in preseason if that gets passed. But honestly, that's I don't really care about that all that much. All I know is I want him out there week one, 100%, close to 100%, getting Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones will just getting Saquon Barkley back will give Daniel Jones such a, a comfort zone, I guess you could say, a safety blanket in the passing game. Defenses will play him a little bit differently, and it will just help this overall offense that Jason Garrett used in 2020 because I think that offensive identity was built around Saquon Barkley. Garrett lost him in week two, and then he had to just figure out other ways to try to mount an offense, and the end result of that 
is the 31st ranked offense in the league. <laughs> the Giants need to step up significantly from that. Jason Garrett needs to look himself in the mirror with that. But getting Saquon Barkley back is a nice step towards being a better, more efficient offense. Yeah, but uh, I think actually the first step is getting him to week one without any uh, re-injuries or setbacks. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't actually see him in any of the preseason games. And I also wouldn't be surprised if the Giants do kind of hold him back, especially this first week back, uh, limit his reps to maybe even non-contact drills, you know, hold him back from practicing in full shell, you know, full pads, maybe have just one-on-one, some receiving drills, things like that, and really let him get his legs back underneath him before they start introducing contact and practicing at full speed into the equation. Because we we know Saquon's a competitive guy and we don't need him going out there trying to go a hundred miles an hour the very first time he gets the ball in his hands and then even just slipping. Yeah. I think everybody will have their stomach up in their throat. If he just goes down without contact or goes down awkwardly this first week back. So right now just getting fully healthy, like you said, 100% for week one and avoiding anything that even looks like a re-injury. Yeah, and, and one thing I, I see from this is I, I feel as though them working him in now is working along the lines of that conservative gradual working him back into getting reps because if you're doing it now with a few weeks to go, this allows you to very gradually go about it with multiple weeks to, to work your way up to a normal practice load, which is why we're saying it, it's probably decently likely that he gets at least some snaps in week one. Chris, you're talking about how it's probably better that we don't even really even see him maybe in the preseason or they might not even work him in in the preseason. But at the same time, I almost wouldn't be surprised if come final week of the preseason, the last game, that they don't just get him out there for the first series let him get hit a little bit so that he can feel confident going into week one because that is always an added aspect. Saquon is a, a freakishly built human being as we know by how he's his how big his freaking legs are <laughs> and how explosive he is. Um, and he's also had a, a tendency to heal pretty quickly like we saw with the with the ankle injury that he was dealing with a few years back. But uh, you know maybe in this instance he just needs to get himself mentally prepared to get hit to take some contact. Uh, to get hit by guys that aren't his teammates that aren't going to be thinking, oh, I need to go a little easy on Saquon because I don't want anything to happen to him. It might not hurt him to actually put him out there for a series in that final preseason game. Yeah, and that is the line to walk. You know, you want to keep him healthy. You want to keep him progressing in his rehab. But, at you know, on the other hand, a lot of times the last step and the biggest step is getting that confidence back that – you know, you are not going to break. You know, I think all, all three of us have been hurt before. We've been injured and getting your mind wrapped around the idea that you can push yourself and the pain isn't going to come back. Your whatever got hurt isn't going to just fail. That is a pretty significant step. And it's usually the last step for getting all the way back. Getting all the way back, that's what we want to. And I just like want to picture Saquon Barkley rushing in this Jason Garrett running scheme because as much as we kind of give Garrett a lot of crap for for the offense, for the passing game, and I think a lot of it is warranted, 
the running scheme was pretty solid last year with Wayne Gallman. They they switched to a much more power gap centric type of running scheme as opposed to the Pat Shermer inside zone, even though he still runs a lot of inside zone type of concepts. But that power gap, specifically the counter game, the, the GF counter or GH counter, if you want to call it that, the GT counter. That with Saquon Barkley hitting that hole, that defined hole behind two blockers, once he gets to that second level, I mean, it put a safety in the alley against Saquon Barkley. And that's <laughs> that's going to be a really tough job for that safety. He's going to have to be a really, really sound tackler, a really, really good tackler because Barkley, I mean, he's somebody going back to 2018 who had over 3.3 yards after contact, which was a top 10 in the NFL that season and we all know his tackle breaking ability his unique jukes and his unique explosiveness his unique ability to make people miss in space when you have that defined hole and you kind of eliminate the whole um vision part well vision still a part of it but the whole mind like when your mind goes when you're in the backfield and you're running back you have the football and then you have to make that split decision in power gap it's not as prominent of a trait you know what I'm saying? Like an inside zone, you have to really find the hole and read a bunch of different things, but you know what hole you're going to in power gap. And I think that's going to benefit Saquon Barkley, a player who ran a lot of power gap at Penn State. Yeah, and Barkley does have kind of a tendency when you give him almost an a la carte running style where you give him th- you know, two, three choices for running lanes. He tends to almost take the run on an instant by instant basis where, you know, particularly if you slow the play down in like an all 22 tape, you can almost see him go through a checklist of, okay, do I want to go here? How do I like this hole? Okay. Do I want to go here? You know, can I beat this defender? Uh, And when he gets into that mode, I think that's when you start to see him see his game almost, almost slow down. He doesn't ever do anything slow, but that that is when you kind of start to see him get caught behind the line of scrimmage. That and when there's you know failures in the blocking up front. But I think that's a that is a different uh, issue for the team to address and make sure that doesn't happen. But if the offense can keep him from having to make all of those checks, all of those different reads, and you know keep him from having to think too much. I think that will keep allow him to play much more quickly and more explosively. And getting to see how he works in with the new offense, I think, is a really good point that you bring up, Nick. And and I think that that will also be you know following that very closely within the first few weeks because we didn't really get to see what he was capable of doing and how Jason Garrett was going to utilize him. Now we're going to be exposed to that. Hopefully, we get to see Saquon fully healthy the entirety of this season. But speaking of fully healthy, I guess Oshane Zimenez the Edge rusher, who has been with the Giants for a few years now, was previously a third-round pick, is coming off the pup after having a hamstring issue separate from the injury that pretty much uh, kept him off the field for a majority of last season with his shoulder. So Zimenez is back in the rotation in competition. Guys, do we think that this, uh, this time off has been detrimental for Zimenez, or do we think that he can step right back in now that he's off the pup? I think it's definitely detrimental because this isn't a coaching staff that selected him. This is a coaching staff that he he played up through what, week three, I think it was, the 49ers. He got a lot of reps in that game because it ended up being a blowout down the stretch. But Patrick Graham really relies on his edge players to be able to set an edge or to to hold up in some manner against the run because a lot of the times Patrick Graham lines up in those mint nickel packages or those tight fronts. 
and they try to spill everything outside to the edge defender and then the secondary force defender. And you need that edge defender to be able to hold up against the run. And, and O'Shane hasn't necessarily proven that quite yet in the league. He doesn't really have the best frame for that as an edge player. So I think he, I don't think he has an uphill battle to crack the roster, but I think if there were to be a surprise cut, it might be him now that he's back off the pup. I think it's a great sign because he can show his worth to this coaching staff. And you have guys like Ryan Anderson who are out right now. Ellerson Smith is kind of dealing with some injuries. So a lot of the other players at that position group outside of like Aziz Ojolari, they're they're also a little dinged up. So if he can step in today and really kind of show his worth, show that he can play against the run, I mean, that's going to be a solid, I would say, uh, be solid for him to possibly make this roster. But for the first time in a while, Chris and Joe, I mean, the Giants are deep <laughs> the giants the giants are gonna have to make some cuts that are going to be like oh they cut him oh that guy was pretty good that guy was solid and that's a good problem to have but uh Zeminis is gonna have to have a strong camp i think to solidify a position on this team which is possible yeah i, I think that's the way to look at it where yeah he isn't guaranteed a roster spot i think if he is cut it would be a surprise but i don't know that he is he definitely isn't on a scholarship right now yeah you know, he is going to have to work to avoid being cut and i think it's probably fair to look at him as maybe the third or fourth edge you know right now i think it'll be aziz ojalari and lorenzo carter as the two guys who have the probably the best chance of starting also probably whichever of the two veteran edges make the final grade then it's probably you know ellerson smith and o'shane zimenez and yeah the giants are deep there you know for the first time in a while probably since uh 2016 2017 the giants will actually have waves of pass rushers to send after quarterbacks you know, not all the guys are super dynamic like you know you know some teams that have been just picking up ridiculously athletic pass rushers left, right, and center. But they do have that depth. They can rotate in guys who are fresh. They can rotate in uh, unique and varied skill sets to adapt to uh, just changing circumstances and situations in the game. Guys who are athletic, guys who play with good technique, uh, guys who can drop into coverage to make the blitz schemes even harder for quarterbacks to figure out. And like you said, they could be forced to make some very difficult cuts just by the numbers game. And that's terrible for the players, but it's a good problem for the team. Yeah. A lot of heads that are in there are going to be competing for roster spots. And you you make a really good point. It's good for the team that you have a lot of different options to go with, but it also, it sucks for these guys that are competing. O'Shane Zimmon is a former third round pick. You'd think that, at this point in his career, he would be a rotational guy. He would be having some type of an impact. But now here he is on potentially the chopping block because they brought in some free agents at his position. They weren't the previous coaching staff that drafted him. So Zimenez right now, after missing a period of time during training camp, is going to need to really prove himself if he wants to stick around on this roster. Coming up, we are going to discuss briefly... Two signings, one at a more notable position. Before we get to that, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So guys, over the weekend, we had two additions to the roster. We've had other additions, but the two more notable ones uh, coming this weekend. Defensive back Chris Johnson and then tight end Jake Hausman who is obviously the more notable signing, I would say, because of the injury to Levine Toilolo. He was waived by the Detroit Lions, and we spoke after Levine Toilolo tore his Achilles, mentioning the fact that if there is an in, uh, a situation where somebody waives somebody, somebody that maybe they have their eye on, they're probably going to go out and bring them in or claim them to get them into the competition, get them into the rotation to see if they can just add some back-end competition for some of the later guys in the depth chart. So here it is. This is Jake Hausman who's coming in and reportedly is supposed to be a pretty good blocker. Yeah, I'm actually kind of low-key excited about the Hausman signing just because of the blocking aspect. Obviously, we know what happened to Levine Toilolo, and that's really a you know a devastating injury, especially at that part of his career. And Toilolo, I felt like he was on the ground far too often last year for somebody who's kind of built as a blocker, but he also had special teams value. I think he played like 38% of these special teams reps, played about 27 to 28% of the offensive reps because we know how much Jason Garrett has proclivity to run 12, 13 personnel packages, which I feel like have merit. But now that you added Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay, John Ross, hopefully we see a little bit more 11 personnel. But the fact that he does like to run those multiple tight end packages leads us to believe he may carry four tight ends. I mean, they love using Caden Smith as that sniffer, that F-back, that H-back, whatever you want to call him. And then they have Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram. But I think Hausman, somebody who can add value as a blocker, is definitely somebody that, if he really shows up in this camp, could possibly be a sneaky person to make this roster. But like we said before... A lot of these guys, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of depth here. There's a lot of secondary pieces this team is going to want to carry. A lot of players that the Giants are going to be interested in. So there's going to be some tough cuts. Now, this kid, Hausman, he's somebody who had, he wasn't overly productive at all in college as a receiver, but he was that blocker. And that's very, very important. But this is also, you know, a young player. So has a little bit of an uphill climb, but, you know, the fact that he can block is going to 
help his chances to at least make this roster. Because I don't know how far along Rice and John is with blocking because he was a converted wide receiver out of Simon Frazier, undrafted kid last year. And he's also, I think, still on the COVID list, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right now, I think I would kind of look at Houseman as a guy who he's got an outside chance to make the roster. He, from what I remember from his tape, yeah, this, we talked about this when we were building our big board. This tight end class wasn't great, but Houseman, he was a good, solid blocker. And that's something that the Giants do need from the tight end position, especially if they want to run the ball as much as. I think we all think they want to run the ball. You know, sometimes it's the tight end and wide receiving blocks that make the difference between an, an okay run and a good run and a great run. So having that extra guy, especially if they run a lot of those 13 personnel packages who can be a basically a sixth, a sixth or seventh lineman and maybe spring a block at the second level that gets the running back whichever one it happens to be, into space where all they have to worry about is making a safety miss or running through an arm tackle, and then they're off to the races. Yeah, That is important. But again, it, it's also the numbers game, and I don't think they're not going to go into the season with a fullback. So I could see them, especially if Rudolph is able to get off the pup list, where they go with just three tight ends, you know, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, and then Elijah Penny as their fullback, and then maybe keep Houseman on the practice squad where they can call him up if they need him. I think that's probably the more likely uh, scenario right there, put him on the practice squad. And I'm glad you brought up the fullback because the Giants love having a fullback. They 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 will put out, you know, two running back sets sometimes with a fullback. Not not, you know, frequently, but it does happen. And they also sign Colin Gillespie from the from the Texans who could compete with Elijah Penny, who they love for a roster spot. And then I also think possibly one of those two, maybe more so Gillespie than Penny, although we saw Penny execute this role in 2020, they could possibly be the sniffer, the tracer, whatever you want to call it, on those GHGF counter plays where the backside guard pulls to kick out the end man on the line of scrimmage, and then they bring the the tight end, the H-back, whatever you want to call him, through the hole to locate the next dangerous man. That's something Caden Smith did a lot last year, but maybe they'll look at Gillespie as somebody who has done that in the past and see if he can outperform Smith, although I feel like Smith did excellently in that role last year. And it seems like there's a number different of different of variations that we could have with this this roster alignment, but I think uh, you know the one way to just to wrap up the Houseman signing is that they lose Toy Lolo, who essentially is there to be a, a big body, a blocker. He was a massive tight end. He's now not going to be available for the season. And what they go and do to replace him is bringing in a different big quality blocking tight end. So that's what Houseman's going to provide. There are different possibilities for how he works his way into the lineup. I like the thought that you threw out there, Chris, that he could you know, potentially stick around on the practice squad and be a, a sub-in guy if they ever need him. But um, now a little added competition at tight end. Hopefully there are no other major injuries so the Giants don't have to go out and seek any other waiver claims and they can continue to roll with the guys that they have on their roster. That's going to be it for today's episode for a training camp update. We're going to be coming at you soon at the end of the week with a preview of the Giants' first preseason game. That is going to be against the New York Jets Saturday, August 14th. 
uh, 7.30 Eastern time is when kickoff is scheduled to be. So we're going to do some type of a preview episode as well as um, post-game breakdown as we do when we're in the regular season. So now we have a preseason unlike we did last year. We'll actually be able to cover it. So stay tuned for that, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Hit the subscribe button, five-star review, and head to BigBlueView.com. Talk to you soon, folks. Bye.